you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. This is the faith chapter. Some people call it the hall of faith. It says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Wow. Let me read that again. Sometimes we just pass over that. This is a pretty big deal. By faith... Enoch did something. Remember, he did this by faith. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By faith, by Enoch's faith, he was taken from this life and he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken... He was commended as one who pleased God. So before he disappeared, it was said of him that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would anoint this word. Lord, let it come alive in our spirit, Lord God. Let us glean from this, Lord, what you want us to hear today, Lord God. Lord, let it change our lives, the way we live every day, Lord God. Father, touch this word and anoint it, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. Lord, and reveal your words, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The title of my message is, The Disappearance of Enoch. The Disappearance of Enoch. How many um, enjoy a good crime show? And uh, sometimes you watch a crime show, and I know they're very popular. In fact, they're usually the number one trending episodes on podcasts are crime mystery dramas. And um, boy, this one, if there were crime podcasts and crime shows uh, during the time before the flood of Noah... This would have been the big one. It would have been in big letters and it would have been promoted heavily and it would have been like, what happened to Enoch? Enoch just disappeared one day. It was the great mystery of the ancient antediluvian world, which if you hear the word antediluvian, when you begin to study this, that's the previous to the flood world. This was the big mystery. What happened to Enoch? In fact, they don't know what happened to Enoch. Uh, The record ended up, it must have been that there were, I don't know if there were witnesses or what, because the record from everybody is summed up in Hebrews, and it was the record from the ancient world, and it was that he was taken from this life. He did not experience death. He could not be found because God took him away. And it was said before God took him away that God was very pleased with him. That God took great pleasure in walking with uh, Enoch. In fact, it says twice that uh, Enoch walked with God and then was taken away. It says he walked with God two different places in Genesis. So I'm going to read all the accounts of Enoch and we're going to try to um, unravel 
the disappearance of Enoch and what happened and how that applies to our life and why it's so important. Uh, But there's only really three passages in the Bible that really talk about Enoch. The first one is in Genesis 5 when it's giving the contemporary account of Enoch and his years. It's in Genesis 5, 21 through 24. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, now 65 years in the pre-flood world is not very old. Okay, they were living to nearly eight, nine hundred one. His son almost lived a thousand years. You say, well, that's impossible. I don't think the Bible is correct. But the world that they lived in was a very different world. It was a world where it was very common to live a very long life. And then after the flood, the Bible makes a designation that something changed in the lifespan of human beings, and now they'll rarely live over 120 years. And so that's what we find. But it says, Enoch was, had lived 65 years, Genesis 5.21. He became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years, or walked with God 300 years. And had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, or Enoch walked with God, some of your versions say. Then he was no more because God took him away. The second passage is Hebrews 11, which I just read. And then the third passage is the book of Jude, verse 14 and 15. Jude only has one chapter. It says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam meaning the seventh generation from Adam prophesied about them. In fact, this is a passage in Jude where it's talking about false prophets and false teachers. And uh, Jude actually, or Jude says that Enoch prophesied about them even at the very beginning. God was already, uh, already didn't like the false prophets and already didn't like the false teachers. And God was already prophesying through Enoch. And it says, see, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts that they have committed in their ungodliness and all of their defiant words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So it's a part of a message that Enoch was preaching, and the message was that the ungodly are going to be judged one day, and Jesus is going to come with his holy ones to judge the wicked. And so Enoch, even way back then, was talking about the coming of Christ to judge the wicked. And so as we begin to look at the disappearance of Enoch and we begin to unravel it, we just got to think of one second here of the world that Enoch lived in. Enoch lived in a world that was previous to the flood of Noah. Now, Noah was his great-grandson. So He lived to be 365 years. His son, Methuselah, lived to be 969 years. And at the death of Methuselah, that's when the flood started. And Methuselah was his son, and Noah was his great-grandson. And so a young Noah is about to board the ark. Enoch has been taken away. Methuselah has passed away. And now Noah, as a young man, is taking his young family into the ark. And so Enoch had seen one of the worst times maybe in the history of the world. In fact, 
This period of time that Enoch lived in was so bad that God finally had said, enough with it. There was so much violence on the earth and there was so much um, wickedness on the earth that God finally said, you know what, I can't do anything on this earth. It's just full of wickedness and I'm going to do away with all of it. And I'm going to preserve this one family um, Noah, who uh, has been faithful to the Lord. In fact, it says in Genesis that Noah also walked with God. So Noah obviously learned from his great-grandfather, who was still preaching up till the time he was taken away, probably learned from Methuselah, who when he passed away, the flood was to start. And then here's Noah walking with God, following in the tradition of his family. And so Enoch had seen a lot of things. In fact, it says that Enoch was the seventh from Adam, and uh, he corresponds directly with a man from the line of Cain, whose name was Lamech. And Lamech was uh, maybe the most wicked person in the line of Cain. In fact, he didn't just know that his father Cain, or his, his ancestor Cain, had sinned against God. He said, I will do it even more so than Cain did. And so Lamech was a very wicked man, and Enoch lived during the same period of time as this very wicked man in the line of Cain. And so we see a world that the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days when the Son of Man returns. And so this is a perfect message for the church, because God wants us to be ready when he returns. And what better person, the Bible says, in fact, in um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down for warnings to us on whom the culmination of the ages have come. So Paul is saying the things that they did are direct examples of how we're supposed to behave now. Because the culmination of the ages are coming. And so what better person for us to model our life after than Enoch? Because Enoch disappeared suddenly and then the judgment came. And so everybody agrees that Enoch is the picture. It's a type of the church. In fact, I want you to imagine yourself living in this world right before the flood, and you've heard prophecies, you've heard preaching from Noah for 120 years, right? You heard uh, Enoch prophesy and preach, right? You've heard Methuselah probably preach, and you heard about this judgment that's coming on the world, but yet everything goes like it normally goes. We're marrying, we're giving in marriage, we're, we're doing all the things we normally do. Yeah, no flood, I don't see it. And then all of a sudden, this mystery comes upon the earth that nobody was expecting. And it's the disappearance of Enoch. Now, how much do you think that upset the ancient world? That Enoch disappeared, and everybody agrees, and everybody somehow knows that God took him. And so right before he disappears, then this other prophecy that Methuselah is going to die. Uh-oh, Enoch's gone, Methuselah's died, Noah's building a bolt, and then judgment is on its way. And still, after all that, 
they still don't realize that God is serious about sin. And Enoch is even prophesying that the Lord is going to come in judgment one day. He's actually talking about the coming of Christ. But he's saying that he's going to come and he's going to judge the wicked. You won't be able to continue to behave this way around God because God won't tolerate that type of sin. And so this example of Enoch is just crying out to the church, look at my servant Enoch and behave like him before the coming of the Lord. And you say, well, man, how should I behave? Because there's lots of things that are going on in the news. You know, maybe I should get ready for the rapture, or maybe I should get ready for the Antichrist, or maybe I should get ready for the new world order, or maybe I should uh, just do nothing, or maybe I should... And we're trying to figure out, how do I live for God in the last days? And I would suggest look no further than Enoch. Because a lot of times when we're seeking God, we're seeking God for the wrong reasons. We're seeking God because we want to be ready for the rapture. Or we're seeking God because we want revival or we want change or we want something from God. And what God is saying is, look at Enoch's life. Enoch pleased me. Enoch was somebody I wanted to be with. Do you realize reading that? Sometimes we can totally gloss over this. But do you realize that for 300 years, he was walking with God? I mean, 300 years, you say, well, man, Chad, I've been serving the Lord for 30 years. Wow, 30 years. Enoch is impressed. 300 years of unbroken fellowship with God. And I just want you to imagine the depth of this man, Enoch. The fact that he loved to be with God, God loved to be with him. You say, well, how do you know God loved him? God might not even liked him. He says, because the record was he pleased God. He was pleasing to God. He was somebody that God took pleasure in meeting with. God loved him. And so God took him. He said, I'll take this one because I love him. And so anyway, when you begin to look at this faith chapter, it's fascinating. Because in Hebrews chapter 11... You begin to see a progression. In the Bible, there's a thing that's called the um, rule of first. And as you study the Bible and you see the rule of first, anytime the Bible introduces new things, the first time it introduces something important that's new, it really makes a foundational um, a foundational revelation of what that new thing is. And and the rule of first is that when God presents first, it's very dramatic and it's very important. He doesn't just haphazardly say, you know, that I created woman. It's 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 the foundational teaching of marriage. You know, and, and all through Genesis we see these rules of first. And so you begin to see in Hebrews, he's actually summing up several rules of first. He's giving several types and he's showing the progression of faith here. And so we would do really well to watch and see what kind of progression he's trying to teach in Hebrews 11. Because this is the progression that God desires the church to have in the last days. It says, "By now faith is being sure of what you hope for. This is Hebrews 11.1. And it's certain of what we do not see. 
this is what the ancients were commended for. So what were the ancient followers of God commended for? Faith. And so he begins to give a summary of faith. And he says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was invisible. So by faith, first of all, everything that was made, we realize was made by things that are not visible. That means out of nothing, God created a world that didn't previously exist. He's the only person who can create something out of nothing. He created it out of nothing. And it says, the first step of faith is, by faith we believe that God, which means I have to believe that there is a God, God made everything out of things that were not visible. And so now we go on further, and and, and some people are already scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, I totally disagree with that. Well, you don't have faith then. This is where it starts. And then he goes on and he begins to give a rule of first here. It says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. So at this point, they don't necessarily have the ability to worship God with the Bible, right? All they have is commands directly from God as here is how you can approach me. And so you're basically connecting with God through these commands. And God's saying, hey, listen to my commands specifically, directly, accurately, and you can approach me correctly. Well, Abel says... I'm going to do exactly the way God told me to do it. And my father Abraham was told to do it the same way, or my father Adam was told to do it the exact same way, and I'm going to do it the exact same way God wants to be approached. And so Abel offers the sacrifice, but Cain doesn't go by God's word. Cain says, I'm going to do it my way. And so when he does that, He doesn't do it by faith because he's showing that he doesn't believe in God in the way that God said to do it. So it's a foundation that in order to approach God, this is the rule of first, you must do it through the shedding of blood and it must be through atonement. So I can never do what Enoch did until first I lay this foundation, that there's nothing I can do to approach God Only the shedding of blood and only atonement can allow me to even approach God in worship. And then he goes on in faith a little further, and he says, By faith Abel was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. So Abel becomes the first martyr. He's the first one to die for his faith along a long line of people that would die for their faith. And um, and then in the record of Genesis, it talks about another group. Um, he doesn't talk about it in Hebrews, but he does in Genesis. And he talks about Seth and Enosh. And it says during Seth and Enosh's years, which Seth was the son that Adam and Eve had after Abel was killed, uh, Seth, it says... 
In Genesis 4.26, Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So they begin to call, cry out for the name of the Lord. In fact, that word also means they begin to proclaim the Lord. And so you begin to see people, and it's plural there. It's men began to assemble, and now not only are they approaching God through the sacrifice of his son for sins, they're, they're going through atonement to approach him. Now remember, they're only approaching him. Now Seth and Enosh are not only approaching him, now they're crying out to him. They're seeking him. And then it says, Enoch came along, and it says, Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and God took him away. So they approached God through atonement. Seth and Enosh began to call out and cry out to God. And now here's Enoch giving the example of walking with God. Now, how did they start off with God? They started off walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. And by the time you get to Enoch, God finds a man where fellowship was completely restored. And so God is trying to show us there's a process of first that allows you to be restored to where I want you to be. Do I want you to just have atonement? Do I want you to just cry out to me when you need me? Or do I want you to have atonement? Do I want you to cry out and do I want to know you? And I want, do I want to walk with you? And the Bible says that in the last days at the judgment seat, there will be many, Jesus said, this is the words of Jesus, not mine. There will be many that will come to the judgment seat and they will say, God, but I did all these miracles in your name. I did all these signs in your names. I did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. And church, if we don't listen to the message of Enoch, we may find that we don't even know the Lord. In fact, we can do all the religious exercises and maybe not even know the Lord, and the Lord may not even know us. And this message is all about how do we live in the last days, and how we live in the last days is God wants us to have atonement. He wants to take away the hostility between us and Him, take away the sins that separate us, and He does that through atonement. He wants us to begin to cry out to Him, and then He wants us to be able to one day walk with Him, and know Him, and be known of Him, and speak to Him, and talk to Him, and converse with Him. And this is the message that Enoch is bringing to the world. And it says he still they still speak even though they're dead. So how does Enoch, the little bit of information about Enoch, how do we look at his life? In fact, the Bible's so efficient, it only gives us a few lines about Enoch, but it's enough to understand how he walked with God. The first thing it says that Enoch did to walk with God is in Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So impossible, what does that mean? It means it's not possible, which I know is a breakthrough. But it's not possible to please God unless I have faith. So I can't take pleasure in God, God can't take pleasure in me unless I do it through faith. Faith is the only way 
for God to find pleasure in me and me to find pleasure in God. Without faith, it is impossible to do that. So Enoch, by faith, walked with God, and by faith, God took him to be with him because he pleased him. And so we've got to figure out what is the faith of Enoch. Well, number one, you have to believe that there is a God. In fact, it says that Enoch um, believed that there was a God and believed that he was a rewarder of those who seek him. That's the only statement about his faith. He believed that God was, and he believed that God was also a rewarder of those who seek him. And so the first thing you have to do, in fact, John 1.18 says, No man has seen God. No man has seen God. That's difficult. If no man has seen God, that means Enoch hadn't seen God. That means that nobody in the history of the world has seen God. So how can I walk with God if I can't see him? How can I know God like Enoch did if I can't see him? And, it, it, and what it does is it opens up a real problem that we have in having a relationship with God, and that is that God cannot walk with us in the realm that we live in. In fact, it would be like me having a relationship with a star. Now, how would I do that? Man, how do we solve that? I mean, I would have to get a ship... I would have to find a way to get to the star. I'd have to find a way to spend regular time with the star. You say, man, this is really stupid. It's almost as stupid as saying I could have a relationship with God. Because it's an other world. It's a world that's way beyond here, and there's no possible way in my realm of natural earth that I can have that relationship because it's a celestial realm that I can't reach. And it's one that can't have a common relationship with me because it's so far away. And we don't really have a lot of things in common, right? It would be the same as if I took um, an aquarium and I took one of those fish and I said, man, I want to walk with you. And I might walk with him for a little while at the bottom of the aquarium, maybe a couple of minutes. I'm lucky. And he may walk with me a little bit on land. I'll drag him along by his fin, and we can walk together and talk together and have a relationship. And you would say, man, that's dumb. We're on two totally different realms. He's in the water, you're on the land. And see, this is the problem John is expressing is that we can't walk with God because we're not on the same realm. And there's only one realm that I can have a relationship with God, and that's in my spirit. My spirit can actually connect with God, speak with God, hear from God, communicate with God, and the Bible says that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, I've got sin issues, I've got a... Our walk as the Gentiles walk, the Bible says, in lust and passions and all these sinful ways. And that causes me to be at war with God. 
All of my sins cause me to not want to know God, not be able to walk with God, cause my spirit. In fact, when Adam and Eve sinned, they physically didn't die yet, but their spirit died. That realm where they could be with God, walk with God, be with God, died. And you don't really see it restored until Enoch walked with God and and walked with God for so long that God was like, I'm just taking this one with me. And what better thing could be said about our lives than that we, I want to be like Enoch and we should have a heart like Enoch. I want to be able to say no matter how I went, no matter what way we leave this world, that it could be said of us, we walked with God and then suddenly we were just no more. God said, hey, I want to take him with you. Might, you might go in the rapture. You might go in an accident. You might go from a sickness. But what better way to go than like Enoch did, that suddenly we walked with God, close with God, and everybody knows we were close to God, and suddenly God was like, I'm taking one, this one with me. I take pleasure in this person. I love being around this person, so I just want him to be with me now. Sorry. And I, that's what God is going to do to the church in the last days. God is looking for people that seek him, people that want to walk with him, people that want to walk in his spirit, people that want to walk with God. And he's just going to say one day, they're going to be with me. I'm just going to take them with me. He is a type of the rapture of the church. And so what God is trying to say is, in the last days, be this kind of person. Be one that, number one, believes that there is a God and understands that the way that I can see God is in my spirit. I have to learn to walk with God in my spirit. Because get this, God is not going to visibly come down and hold your hand and take you on a walk. He's going to try to teach you to get in his presence. In fact, we just laid carpet in this prayer room. And you say, man, I can't wait for that prayer room to open because I want to, I want to yell and I want to scream and I want to pray for revival and I want to, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And I'm just telling you right now, that room is to learn to be with the Lord. That room is to learn to be quiet and hear his voice. Learn to walk with him in your spirit. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to hear him speak. Learn to hear him communicate with you. Learn to commune with the Lord. Learn to walk with him. Because church, we've got to be a church that hears the voice of the Lord. And if your prayer is all about what you want, if your prayer is all about screaming to God instructions, you're going to miss the Lord and he's going to say, I never knew you. But God, I cast out demons. But God, I did miracles. But God, I did this. We've seen revival. God said, I just wanted to know you. I just wanted to know you. But God, I'm ready for the rapture. But I still don't know you. But I still don't know who you are. And God wants to know who we are. God wants in the last days to be close to us. And so it says that he believed that there was a God first. I have to read this poll. It says 700 preachers were polled evenly from all denominations. It says 48% denied the inspiration of the Bible. 24% rejected the atonement. 12% rejected the resurrection of the body. And 27% did not believe that Christ will return 
to judge the quick and the dead. Ministers. And so one thing it says about Enoch was he was preaching about God. He was preaching about God judging the wicked. He was preaching righteousness. Noah was preaching righteousness. They were preaching the return of the Lord. And can I tell you something? You say, man, it's so simple. He believed that God is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But I don't think there were very many people in the world that believed like Enoch did. I think Enoch was alone a lot of times walking with God. In fact, I see Enoch walking with God. It reminds me of Jesus. You notice that Jesus was always walking with God? They said they all went to sleep and Jesus went up into a mountain to be with God. It says that Jesus would disappear quite often. Why? Because he couldn't wait to be with his father. And it says he would spend time with God. He would seek God. Why did Jesus seek God? He sought God because he missed him. He loved him. He loved to be in God's presence. He pleased God and wanted to always be in fellowship with his father. And God is calling us to do the same thing. That's what Enoch was, what Enoch was all about is he wanted to walk with God. He lived his life, but you could just see Enoch in that culture walking with God. So how do you walk with God? Ephesians 4.17 says, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So Paul's saying, no longer live like the Gentiles. Their thinking is futile. What does futile mean? Futile means it's, it, it just isn't, doesn't accomplish anything. It's worthless. Their thinking isn't good. And Paul's saying, no longer walk like the Gentiles walk, walk differently. And so he's trying to begin to reveal to us how Enoch walked. You say, well, Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? Does that mean that what did they do when they walked and they talked and they spent time together? And he's saying, well, the Gentiles walk differently. He said, the Gentiles have futile thinking. And he says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to having the hardening of their hearts. Well, say what you mean, Paul. Paul's saying that they're their intelligence, their very intelligence is darkened and they're separated from the life of God because of their ignorance. Ignorance means to ignore God. And he says, but we're not to walk that way. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully, to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So God is saying, don't walk like we used to walk. 
have a new mind that talks to God and hears from God and speaks to God. So Paul is saying a one the new walk that Paul is talking about is a walk of obedience. In fact, the Bible says that the, the walk of the Gentiles is, I'm always disobedient to God. Now, there's a lot of teachers out there that say, do whatever you want and you can serve Christ. Do whatever you want. God doesn't care. He loves everybody. He's just the Santa Claus in the sky that just loves everybody. And Paul is saying, no, if you want to walk with God, one of the earmarks of walking with God is, I love to be obedient to God. It says in Amos 3.3, it says, How can two walk together except they be in agreement? And so as you begin to look at this walk with God, you have to be able to um, do the walk in agreement, is what the Bible says. And so if you see two people that are notoriously enemies, and all of a sudden you see those two, maybe they've been in a fist fight or maybe they've been arguing with each other, or maybe they don't like each other, one thing you usually don't see them doing is walking together and talking. And so if you were to see those two walking together and talking, and it didn't look like they were arguing, you would assume that they're on good terms. You would assume that they're walking the same direction. You would assume that they're getting along. And so the Bible talks about in order to walk with God, we have to walk in agreement. We have to have a truce. We have to end the battle. We have to end the war. We have to end the hostility. And the Bible says that only through his death, only through his atonement, only through the sacrifice, do we get peace with God. And so in order to walk with God, we must walk in agreement with God. And so if we are doing evil, sinful behavior, like the rest of the world was around Enoch, then you just can't walk with God. And But if you are in agreement with God and you're walking together, does that mean you don't fail? No, it means you fail, but it means that I am looking to God as the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm walking with God. God is walking with me. I'm not opposed to God. I'm not angry at God. I'm not fighting God. I'm not against God. I'm not questioning God. I'm actually in compliance with God. I'm walking with God. And so the Bible talks about this walk of agreement and um, this walk of obedience, and this walk of uh, being compliant with the Lord. And and then it goes even deeper. In fact, um, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the whole Old Testament, they say that he pleased God, but then in the uh, Hebrew Old Testament, it says he walked with God. So they're two equivalent phrases, but two different languages trying to interpret. So how did he please God? How did he... Uh, walk with God, the way that he did it was by faith. And what did he, what was the motivation for him to walk with God and to please God? Because he knew that God existed and he knew that he was a rewarder of those who seek him. So if we seek God, there's a reward. You say, well, man, don't preach that. I just want God and, and I just want God. But by seeking God, God is very clear that if you know me and you love me, blessings are going to flow through that. It says, in fact, in um, a few scriptures here, 
Psalm 119, verse 10, it says, With my whole heart I have sought thee. Psalm 58, 11 says, Then the people will say, Surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. Those are actually the two statements that Enoch was making. The righteous will be rewarded and God will judge the earth. Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Proverbs 8.17, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. It says in Proverbs 11.18, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. So God is asking that we come to him. God is asking that we seek him. God is asking that we walk with him. God is saying, I will reward you if you walk with me. And then he says in Matthew 6.33, this is Jesus' own words. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, why? Why should I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And he says, and all these things will be added to you. That's a reward. What things will be added? All things. So everything that we're an heir to is contingent upon our desire to know him. When you know him, he is pleased with you. He has pleasure in you. He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. And you say, well, can I do it without seeking him? Can I do it without coming to him and seeking him and knowing him? Uh, I don't think God wants to... I don't think God wants you in the last days to come to his throne and him say, you did all these wonderful things, but I never knew you. That's why I think God blesses people who seek him and know him, who get in his presence, not just happy they're forgiven of sins, but really want to know him, want to hear his voice, want to uh, follow him and walk with him. So there is a reward. That means God is going to bless us. And the last thing that Enoch did was Enoch began to proclaim the Lord. He began to tell the world around him um, about the fact that not only um, do I walk with God, but he began to explain to the world around him what God was like. In fact, you have a man, the only person that can tell what somebody is like is somebody that's been with that person. In fact, anytime you watch a documentary and it's about somebody's life, who do they interview? They interview the ones that were in the locker room. They interview the ones that were a brother or a sister of the individual. They interview somebody that's actually, get this, walked with them. And so Enoch, if you want to know how to behave in the last days and got what God wants us to do, God wants us to walk with him so much that we know him. So when the world around was just full of wickedness and Enoch began to preach, what did he tell him? God's nature will not tolerate this. God won't tolerate the sin, the rebellion, the harsh things you say against God. There's going to come a day that he will come in his righteousness and judge that. And he would tell them about God. He would tell them what he was like. He would tell them the good, tell them the bad, things in his nature that would that would that they would like or they wouldn't like. But here's how God is. Here's who he is. How did he know that? Because for 300 years, he walked with him. 
And church, we've got two ways that we can worship God in these last days. The one way that we can worship God, the Bible says, is in spirit. And one way we can worship God is in truth. And so God, when we worship God in spirit, God is trying to reveal who he actually is. In fact, if I wanted to get to know somebody, I would go to lunch with them. And I would begin to talk to them and ask them questions. They would tell me things about their life. All you have to do is ask somebody about their life and they'll tell you, right? God will tell you about him. You'll tell God about you. He already knows everything about you. But that's communion. That's fellowship. That's getting to know God. And um, so as you begin to get to know God, God begins to speak into your life. God begins to reveal himself. God begins to allow you to worship him in spirit. But here's the problem with only worshiping God in the spirit. Sometimes that spiritual conversation can go into error. And if all you do is worship God in the spirit, you have no parameters to know when you're being deceived. In fact, places where they only worship God in spirit and don't worship God in truth usually go into error. Then there are those places, and you say, thank goodness, preach about the ones that worship God in truth. Because that's what I'm all about, man, all about the Bible, all about studying the Word. And and, and can I tell you something? I love to study the Word. I love to know the Word of God. I love to know um, the Word of God is is, um, settled, established, steadfast. The Bible um, is inerrant. It's an authoritative word of God, and when you study it, God reveals himself. In fact, he reveals everything about himself. He reveals the way he behaves. He reveals the way his nature is. He reveals the way he's going to react to certain things around us. There's nothing almost that God doesn't reveal in his word about himself. And so you can really know God really well from reading his word. In fact, I know a lot of things about Mark Twain. Because I've read some of Mark Twain's work, right? I know that's not his real name, too. I know a lot of things about him. I've read a lot of authors who I know a lot of things about, but guess what? I've never met any of them. So I know them based on their writings, but I've never spent a moment with them. There are some people that have spent times with the authors and have never read their books. Wouldn't it be great if you had both? And the problem with places that only worship God in the truth, they're all about the Bible, all about the truth, all about doctrine, all about academic study, is they have no worship in the Spirit. And churches that do that become very legalistic. Do you hear me today? Very legalistic if all you do is worship Him in truth. So the Bible says worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because God doesn't want you to go on the air and God doesn't want you to be a legalist. God wants you to know all about him because you walk with him. God wants you to know all about him because he reveals himself in his word. And so today I'm just asking you as I close, like worship team, you can come up here. We're going to say a word of prayer and I just want to ask you, are you walking with God? Are you worshiping God in spirit and in truth? 
And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and uh, I just thank you for this word, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that there would be a call to your people to seek your face, Lord. You said that the healing of our land, Lord, is in the seeking of your face, humbling ourselves and seeking your face, it says in Chronicles, Lord. So I pray today, Lord God, that there would be a call to seek you, to love you, to know you, Lord God. There would be no greater call than to walk with you, Lord, until you take us home, Lord. Until one day we're just not here anymore, Lord God, because you were so pleased to take us with you, Lord. Lord, bless your people, Lord God. Put your hand upon them, Lord, right now. And touch this word, Lord God. Let it go forth. In your name I pray. Amen.